caution. Your paradigm is about to shift at the intersection of fact and reason. You're entering Kingston Country. I'm Dan Kingston, and you're listening to the Dan Kingston Podcast. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate or Will that we that also quashed the story. And then um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. So she told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. That's Amy Robach on ABC. She apparently didn't know it was a hot mic. And there she goes, talking about how she had the Epstein story before anybody else. And this is coming in amidst reports that uh, the Epstein's autopsy from a pathologist hired by his brother points to homicide. This is the uh, result of this pathologist, uh, again, hired by Epstein's brother. And so, you know, this points to homicide because I guess there's a a broken neck bone of some kind that only uh, really happens, at least in most cases, uh, during strangulation. And then there's, you know, the three foot high bedpost and and how did he, how was he able to even hang himself, let alone the, the security cameras that just, I mean, they were all broken. They all happen to be malfunctioning. Yeah, okay. And the guards, they were just happened to be asleep, you know? So it looks like he was taken out. By who? You know, one thing that's really spoken to me about the whole Epstein thing is, was he some kind of CIA spy? Or he worked for the Mossad, you know, the Israeli CIA, or whoever. Or maybe he was a double agent, or who the hell knows? Why do I say this? Because didn't look like he was as rich as he claimed to be and he was with all these very very you know rich powerful people while he himself was really not so much an elite in terms of the people he was hanging out with were so much like above him in status but of course he had this pedophile island and was he implicating powerful people on behalf of the CIA in order to, to blackmail, to, you know, compromise them on behalf of the deep state? Was he working on behalf of the deep state to compromise elitists in government or in industry? You know, powerful people that uh, the the CIA would like to have some dirt on. You know, Look, there's not very many people that can go in and and strangle such a high-status prisoner such as Epstein. You think that's easy to infiltrate a U.S. prison system like that? This isn't Mexico. And by the way, we'll get into the Mexican cartels. That's another horrible, horrible story. We'll also be talking about the the election and the impeachment and all that good stuff. But uh, And I'll take your calls, by the way, too. Being able to talk to you is an amazing experience. Having this one-on-one connection, being able to 
feel you in my mind. I really do believe it or not, feel you in my mind as you hopefully hear my words in yours. It's a special connection. It's the evolution of radio. It's on-demand radio. It's incredible. And the response to this podcast has been nothing short of incredible. Thank you for being a part of the Dan Kingston podcast. Thank you for telling a friend, a family member, for retweeting or liking a post. Whatever you've done to help grow this community, it's making a big difference. We are racing up those Apple podcast charts, and I'm not going to stop until we're at least the top 10 in politics in Apple. I would say number one, but I'm realistic. I'm a pragmatist. I'm a realist. And I don't want to call for something I think is uh, not really likely or, or realistic, but I do believe we can get in the top 10 in Apple podcasts in the politics section with your help, because it's a real message that we're giving that's important. And it's ideologically defying. It's not partisan. Yes, yes, it's a message that is supportive of Trump and his America First foreign policy. Yes, it's supportive of his efforts uh, in fighting against the deep state that is owned by the military industrial complex. And it is owned so bad. It is such. Uh, transparently owned that when people say this is a conspiracy theory, they're not looking at what's happening. They're not opening up a newspaper and seeing the head of a lot of these military companies, you know, the, the missile companies and the weapon companies. A lot of these companies, they choose their CEOs uh, from, you know, colonels, and generals and people with military experience because those people still have connections and networks and they talk and they uh, uh, influence policy when they should just be influencing the supply chain. This is not Trump, 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 Trump show. Hopefully this podcast will last longer than the Trump presidency because, you know, we do have term limits and, this podcast does not. With God's help, I will continue to podcast. This is not a short-lived endeavor. This will be a long-term project. There is going to be a president after Trump. We do have to recognize that. But before we reach the next phase of our movement, we have to deal with the current phase of the movement, which is to re-elect Trump in order to continue the American first foreign policy, which is really what I would argue is the one thing that should unite all Americans is an American first foreign policy to end the endless wars. Essentially, the neo-libcon warmongers with this globalist mentality, the elite globalists, versus you and me. It's our responsibility then to, however we can, set aside our petty domestic differences, because with a $23 trillion debt, 
with interest payments being the fourth largest budget item behind defense. What are you going to wait for it to be a crisis when interest payments on the debt rise higher than defense and war spending? Then you're going to see it every day on CNN. Then you're going to see it every day on Fox and MSNBC, right? That day is coming soon. No one's talking about it. I'm talking about it. You care about it because you don't want to live in a banana republic. And you have people like Elizabeth Warren saying Medicare for all, and it's not going to cost anything when Medicare already is the number one budget item. We have to pay down the debt. The only way to pay down the debt is to grow the economy. And we've been doing that. Trump's been doing a terrific job at growing the economy, but we have not done anything about paying off the debt. And if we can't pay it off when the times are good, there's no hope paying it off when the times are bad. Going into 2020, Trump is strong in battleground states. This is an article in the New York Times analyzing Trump against Biden, Sanders, and Warren. Biden is the best uh, uh, running against Trump in these polls, but of course, he's too old. He's too confused. There's clips of him talking to just, you know, screens, thinking that it's a, a camera, but it's actually just like a screen that he's talking to. Well, meanwhile, his backs to the audience. So he gets confused very easily. There's new clips of him sniffing children which doesn't look great, especially with the whole Epstein QAnon phenomenon. You don't want uh, anything to play into an old elite you know, politician sniffing children just looks horrible. It looks horrible without even having to be a QAnon conspiracy theorist. But if you're one of those people, Biden doesn't have a chance. But he, he just keeps uh, polling really well. Why does Biden poll so well, even though he doesn't really have a shot? He's running out of money. Right, He's now accepting money from a super PAC that's connected, actually, to his son. That's another scandal that's going to come out. So he has all these scandals with Ukraine and the, the, now the, with the super PAC run connected to his son. Not run by his son, but connected to his son through a friend. Biden looks pretty corrupt. Now, maybe it's like, oh, well, who cares? Because he's not as corrupt as Trump. So who cares? He's the most electable. But really? If these people actually pay attention and look, which they're going to have to do during the caucuses and primaries and this kind of thing, they'll see he's not up to it. People are going to realize what we see. This guy, bleeding-eyed Biden, is confused. Uncle Joe can't cut it. And he's just going to get chopped down very quickly in the early caucuses and primaries. And he's not going to have the money to battle it out and, and last. So he'll drop. Sanders, meanwhile, but well, he just had a heart attack, so I don't, I don't get that. Sanders does very well also um, against Trump, I guess. But the end takeaway from this is that Trump is still very competitive in battleground states. Biden is not likely competitor. Neither is Sanders. And Warren does very bad in Michigan. She's. Um, not looking like a very serious candidate or contender. And that's why you have Hillary Clinton thinking, oh, maybe there's an opening for me. And she's the most politically unsavvy, like the opposite of savvy. 
whatever the zeitgeist is, she thinks it's the opposite of that. No connection with the society or the people or, or, or what's happening in the world. Totally aloof, totally disconnected. And yet, here she is saying, okay, come on, give me another shot, guys. I think she's going to jump in. I, I, it's a horror show. You see, I voted for Hillary Clinton. I thought that she was going to be the person that could bring us back to the 90s. You know, things were good. I grew up in the 90s. It felt like a good time to be. I thought she could return us to that prosperity. And the Pizzagate, the Bigazzi, all of this stuff. I liked Obama, and Obama didn't like Hillary. So while I, you know, thought she wasn't great, and I also thought uh, uh, that the brainwashing by the mainstream media had me completely fooled. I thought she was a victim for the most part. Obama didn't like her, so I didn't really like her, but I thought that, you know, she got kind of the, the scapegoat, uh, that the right-wing media, uh, right-wing personalities, this kind of thing, they just hated her, and unfairly. Uh, you know, as I saw the revelations come out where she really... Uh, cheated in the primaries against Bernie, I began to think about Benghazi again. I began to think about her uh, uh, role in the Obama administration. And a more sinister version of Hillary came forward. A, uh, a politician hell-bent on power, willing to cheat, condescending and elitist, not looking out for the American people, somebody that would easily get us into not just another Iraq war, but another Vietnam, and then call it a success and manage to convince the country that it is a success and we should send a million more troops. I mean, she's the most likely one to start a draft of any candidate because she's so hell-bent on working with the generals, the military-industrial complex, and she's completely compromised in every which way. No, I am not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. And growing up in Berkeley, I always thought I was very left-wing. You could say I was proud of that. That's when being a liberal meant tolerance. But now we see... The far left is the most intolerant of all. They play their identity politics and their politics of hate. And their ideological groupthink mentality offers no room for debate or any kind of reasonable discussion about policy or where we should go. You either toe the line or you don't. There's a similar thing on the far right, and that's why I would not call myself a Republican. I'm not even on the far right. What I believe is that America needs to come together in order to prosper. We need to rally behind our presidents. We need to rally behind our leaders. We need to rally behind all the leaders that are willing to do the right thing. And we need to call out the ones that are obviously been compromised. And we have to stop calling it a conspiracy theory when you see the evil all around us, from the Epstein pedophilia ring to the corruption in the government. And you say, how do we get it fixed? Well, you have to boot out the neolipcon. 
The neo-libcon warmonger is, is a great place to start. You got to look at your elected representative and say, would they go along with Iraq 2.0? Would they go along with Vietnam? Or would they be a Rand Paul? Or would they be a Barbara Lee? Whether or not you agree with these politicians on their domestic policies, it's important to recognize the neo-libcon elitist globalist warmongers versus the everyday politicians that are just trying to do their good for their district that are fighting the urge uh, or at least have not been compromised by the deep state. You can tell it's not hard to see. You just look at who wants to send troops and military aid over to Venezuela or Syria, and you have your answer. It all changed for me in 2018. The House went to the Democrats, and the squad came to represent the Democrat Party. Nancy Pelosi got pissed off by that one, but she was able to subdue them for a while, but not for long. More and more, the squad got more news. Ilhan Omar, AOC, Rashida Tlaib. Their hateful rhetoric, often anti-Semitic, racist rhetoric, their wokeism was too much to handle for many Americans, including myself. Furthermore, the villainization of our president from every corner of the warmonger neolibcon globalist elite apparatus, it's clear that the people that want President Trump removed are the warmongers. While our president is not perfect, who is? We need to avoid these endless wars, and we need to change our idiotic Middle East policy. We need to stop this culture of wokeism. We need to go back to a society of equity and equality. And we need to have an honest, open discussion about how we reach that. We need to go back to the melting pot. We need to go back to true tolerance to understand that true tolerance, there's no place for wokeism. Listen to this clip from Barack Obama. You know, this, this idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff, I, you should get over that quickly. The world, the world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff, have flaws. Like if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because, man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. <laughs> That's Barack Obama talking about the dangers of woke culture. You know when Barack Obama is talking about that, it's really something threatening the Democrat Party. Barack Obama, it'd be like a Republican today. I mentioned that before, and it's true, because he was never this far-left maniac that they pinned him out to be. Yes, he represented liberal ideas, but populist ideas more so than that. Yes, a populist of the left, similar to how Trump is a populist of the right. Obama also believed in ending these endless wars. He brought on warmonger Hillary Clinton to pacify the neo-libcons, such as Trump brought on Bolton to pacify his end 
of the neolipcon apparatus. So what you have are basically two sides of the same coin, and I don't like vilifying our presidents. I don't like vilifying Obama or President Trump. If that makes me a, a traitor in your eyes, so be it. Stop listening. I don't care. But if you are able to open your mind and understand that this is more than just political ideology, there's something bigger at stake, and that is the country, that's America, that our founding fathers gave us this beautiful constitutional republic to protect it, and we sure have one to protect. Don't believe the people telling you that it's uh, far gone and too late. Don't believe the cult leaders telling you to take up arms against this great country because they are the greatest Hitlers of our time. Those are the enemies amongst us. Those are the ones we need to look out for. God forbid they convince enough people to follow them and they gain power themselves. Our constitutional republic would be at a real threat. I think we need to look critically and skeptically at the movements that are being created. We need to look at our part within them, and we need to look at the facts. We need to look at the science, and we need to stop letting other people connect the dots for us. Dolly from Anaheim, what would you like to talk about? Um, probably my most uh, fear that I have. I've been in the United States for a long time. I came here as an immigrant, legal immigrant. My parents came after I did. You know, we had to follow all the rules that uh, immigrants have to do. Um, one of my pet peeves is actually uh, illegal immigration. Coming from Europe, um, I know a little bit about socialism. They have social medicine over there, and I hear it from my family all the time. What country is that? Um, that did you originally come from? I came from France. France and the socialized medicine over there is that a big problem? Do do your family members have trouble getting surgeries and oh, yeah. medical care and that kind of thing? Definitely, I lost a cousin and uncle because um, they got very sick. And uh, actually, on the weekend, they were on the weekend. There was no nobody to uh, take care of them at the hospital, and and uh, they ended up dying because there was nobody. To, uh, to take care of them. Wait a minute. Like they don't have nurses and doctors or just there wasn't a specialist that was there. They were very um, like understaffed right. or something. Yes, exactly. Oh, I'm so and sorry. Then, and then, yeah. And then if you need a surgery, you have to wait. Uh, you know, it's not like here, but you know, I had cancer. And uh, as soon as I found out we, I had cancer, my doctor went to bat for me, got the hospital got you know within a few days i was in the hospital to remove uh, this uh, cancer i had oh my god you know Dolly, I mean? when was that diagnosis um i had ovarian cancer in it was um let's see 2002 okay and you got good care and and, and you worry yeah. about, in France, it, people don't have that same yeah. quick access to quality care. And do you think that if we do the Medicare right. for all kind of thing, first of all, it's, we can't afford it, but let's oh. say by a magic unicorn, it, we can afford it. Is that a, a fear that you have? It would be like the France system. Exactly, exactly because I have Medicare, and, and, um, but I have an extra insurance like, it, like most everybody else does. Um, you know, we paid all our lives for it. Now, in Europe, they have the social medicine. They pay all their lives for it. 
And then, you know, it's like the, kind of like the same problem. All these people come, come illegally and they get all this care. They get more care than when you're on Medicare. Dolly, you, you have family know? in France still? Yes. Oh, yeah. And Most of my family is over there. Would, if it was easier for them to, to come to America the legal way, do you think they would or are they happy where they are right now? Well, some of them would. Uh, I've had cousins who wanted to come and they were not allowed because wow. there is a quota. You can only sponsor your your parents or your or children or you cannot sponsor your cousins. There was lots of rules. You know, you have to go through all kinds of medical tests. You can't come with any kind of disease or um, health problem. Mm. Um, you know, they don't talk about all this stuff. They just all the illegals come, and it's like, okay, uh, they give them um, a piece of paper, come back. A lot of them don't come back. They don't even really check to see if they have vaccinations. And, you know, we got, we got all kinds of disease coming back because of that. You know, this is a pet peeve of mine. It just really burns me about, especially in California, okay? Mm. It's like, you know what it is? It's an insult to all of us who came here legally. Mm. That's what it is. It's a total insult. It's completely unfair, and they, you know, you have to go all three, all these procedures if you're coming from France. But then if you're coming from, you know, the, the south of the border, you just walk right through. You know, there's a there's a lot of things that we we can work on, and the problem right now is the divide. And I believe the Democrats caused this big division whenever Trump decided to become president. We nev- I have been here for many years. I have never seen anything like this. And it, to me, it's absolutely, besides being very sad, because this is America and it's the greatest country in the world. And I love America. And I am just disgusted with the Democrats, what they are doing to our country. What year did you come? 64. So you've seen many different um, presidents and and political leadership through the years. Have you always been a Republican or were you Democrat or independent? How 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 was your politics when you came here? I think when I first came, uh, I was influenced greatly by my father, and uh, who always did the right thing. You know, concerned about being a good American, and uh, you know, got his job, learned English, and. Both my parents went to work and went, got a job first thing and went to school every night to learn English because they didn't speak English. Mm. Okay? I was the only one really who spoke English. Now a lot of the immigrants, I think there's a lot of talk about is English still being taught uh, or is that even important now? Do you notice that there's less of an emphasis on having to learn English, uh, more uh, just, you know, other languages and that kind of thing. And is that a problem? The big mistake they made is um, they made it too easy for people not to have to learn English. Uh, I, just, I just don't understand why you would want to live in a country and not speak the language, you know. Yeah, because it's the, the far left is pretending like that's going to help the immigrants by, you know, not learning English when in fact it's the opposite in order to get a good job, in order to become a part of the society. You, you can't speak, you know, uh, um, your native language and that's it, 
right? There's just something came out, like an article that came out. It said that the percentage of English speaking has gone way down, um, at, at least at in, in the home. Especially in California. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Well, so what, yeah, do we do? I, what, what are we going to do, Dolly, yeah. to, to bridge the divide and to bring people together in this country? I really don't know, really, because it's really up to the people to decide. And right now, uh, it's really messed up. You know, we have Trump who's doing a great job with this economy, and then he's being bashed every second of the day for doing something good. Mm-hmm. So how do you fix that? I have no clue. Um, I, I just don't know what's going to happen because it's just going to keep going until until he's gone. And then after that, it's killed the hell out of me. Excuse my French. <laughs> hmm. But uh, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Right. Don't forget the corruption. We, You know, I don't think anybody realized how corrupt they were until until Trump came, came about. Yeah. I don't think none of us realized how bad it was. Is that and why they're going after him the most, because he's exposing that corruption? Yeah. Is that why they want him down? A hundred percent, exactly. Yep, that's the only reason. <laughs> you got that right. Kingston Country. You've been listening to the Dan Kingston Podcast. Dan Kingston here. Are you fed up with the mainstream media? Do you want to support citizen journalism? The Dan Kingston Podcast is dedicated to asking questions and exploring topics the mainstream media won't touch. If you enjoy this content, would you help me give you even more for less than $1 a month? Yeah, less than $1 a month. You can help me do just that. And it's as easy as as using Apple Pay or any credit card. And by the way, I'll be thanking sponsor names, your name, at the beginning of each podcast episode. So would you consider signing up for less than $1 a month? Find the link to become a sponsor in the description of this podcast episode or visit anchor.fm slash Dan Kingston. Thank you in advance for supporting citizen journalism and helping me provide you with even more content. I really appreciate it.